A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Really appreciate you joining me. Lots and lots to talk about this morning. A lot of it was relating, of course, as it often does, to COVID and the jab. That ongoing row of the AstraZeneca jab dominating a lot of the front pages. As well, also, as the Government Review announced yesterday, I mean, it's almost sort of slipped into the news uh, agenda of the defence and foreign policy. Uh, uh, policy of this country, uh, particularly the relationship with China and indeed nuclear uh, weapons as well, a big issue there. Uh, lots of news about Scotland as well and of course the inevitable royal news. Well we're going to discuss all of that this morning along with Emma Revel, who's Head of Public Affairs at the free market think tank, the Institute of Economic Affairs. Good morning to you Emma. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Let's start with AstraZeneca. It's uh, uh, dominating the news. Let's face it. All everyone is sharing on social media right now is when they've got their jab. Uh, I mean, I'm determined when I get mine. You will not see a picture of me getting a jab. I, I didn't put a picture of my daughter getting her MMR either. Um, <laughs> but the ongoing row uh, after, I mean, it's all started really, you know, Italy, Germany, France, uh, Spain. I mean, we've got, you know, half of Europe or more uh, basically saying that they are not going to be uh, giving out the AstraZeneca jab. They've suspended supplies of that vaccine uh, while they have concerns over blood clots. Now, the European Medical Assistance Agency is uh, overlooking everything and tomorrow they will pronounce and we know exactly what they're going to pronounce, which is that they believe this uh, vaccine to be completely safe, as indeed uh, our medical regulator does as well. Um, 17 million of these jabs having gone out across Europe. There is as with any medicine, some small issues with some side effects. Some of them can be serious. And that is the case with everything from paracetamol, um, aspirin upwards. Um, But do you think that it's reasonable for these European countries to act on what we're told they're using is the precautionary principle when it comes to the jab? Uh, Or do you think actually the precautionary principle would lead them to carry on rolling it out, uh, even if they do have concerns? Yeah, this is a complete misapplication of the precautionary principle, because actually what you're doing in delaying the rollout of the vaccine is I think it's hard to say it's hard to say that you're not causing death by doing this. You know, the the chances of um, having a blood clot should you contract COVID-19 are up to a third. You know, we we see this in in quite a substantial number of of patients who get the the disease Um, and your chances of having a blood clot just in everyday life are significantly higher than the instances of blood clots that we've seen following the AstraZeneca vaccine. We we don't know that it's as a result of the vaccine because these things happen in everyday life anyway. A certain percentage of people who would be vaccinated would have had blood clots regardless. So actually, you know, you you are just inevitably risking more deaths from COVID-19 by pausing the vaccine rollout. And and this is the thing, 
saying it's when you apply the precautionary principle, if only it had been applied on the issue of lockdown, that you, know, you are, you are, you know, are you going to be costing more lives than you are going to be saving? And are, and, and how much certainty is there relating to, to either of those costs and savings? Um, there is an issue over the kind of blood clots that we're talking about, and indeed the people getting the blood clots, because the initial suggestion was that, well, no, this vaccine's been rolled out to older people. Um, they are more likely to have blood clots anyway, in any, you know, in, in any given week. Um, and the, you know, as you say, blood clots very common and also the risk of blood clots if you get seriously ill with COVID are also uh, are much higher. Um, but from what I can understand from what the details come out, we are looking at a specific kind of, of, of blood clot, which is a, 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 a was it cerebral venous thrombosis. Uh, now, and that is in people um, who are not in the older age brackets. We're talking about people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s uh, getting that. Um, and also there is concern that although we've known only about those severe cases, um, the vast majority of reactions that people have and side effects people have aren't actually reported. Mm. That, that, that is just well known in all, in all drugs and all vaccines that people just don't bother reporting. So there has been some advice that in Germany, the German health ministry has said, look, if you do have this vaccine um, and you do, you feel unwell and four days later you're still feeling unwell or getting progressive viewers, you should absolutely seek uh, urgent medical help. Um, it, is, it is important that we do talk about side effects, though, isn't it? I mean, whether or not you're sort of playing the odds, it would seem to me that if you're over 70 or you're at high risk of COVID for other health reasons, then taking the, the AstraZeneca vaccine is, is a no-brainer, uh, in my view. If, however, you are healthy, of a healthy weight and under, you know, 70, under 60, 60 or so, um, actually, you know, it may be a completely different calculation that you would make in terms of whether or not you are high risk anyway, um, either of getting COVID or, or of blood clots. So it's important that we don't treat people as to sort of, you know, oh, well, don't tell them about the uh, any side effects because because then they won't take it, the idiots. And, and, and we need to be honest. And I think the more honest we are, the more people will trust medical and scientific advice. And yes, some vaccines, like all other medicines, have some side effects. And if you ever want to know that, you know, read the side of a paracetamol packet. <laughs> You'll be unfolding that piece of paper for hours if you read every yeah. side effect that's in those uh, those medicines. But yes, we do need to be honest about these things and we do need to talk about them. You know, I know quite a few people who've had the vaccine who've said, oh, I felt a bit unwell the day after I felt a bit fluey, my arm really hurt. You know, that that is true of a whole range of yeah. vaccines that you could have for, for any number of uh, illnesses. But yeah, you're right. We do need to talk about um, possible side effects and people should be encouraged if they are still feeling ill a number of days afterwards to to get in touch with their doctor and say, you know, what's going on? Should I be worried? Um, but we also need to say there are millions of people who have had this vaccine now yeah. we're in the we're in the tens of millions in the uk never mind you know across europe and the number of people for whom the severe reactions are happening are very very yes. very small in yeah. the grand scheme of things so yes we should talk about them but we need to keep it in perspective absolutely no question at all about that um let's also talk about the government's review of defense and foreign policy uh, that's also on a lot of the front pages at a particular uh, the times uh, prime minister attacked for pushing trade links with china uh, we spoke about this with um uh, the, the the chair of the foreign affairs, sorry, the defence select committee yesterday, um, Tobias Elwood, in terms of you know the the, the relationship we're going to have with other countries now, we're very much apparently going to be looking.
looking at a stronger relationship uh, in terms of Indo-Pacific countries, but also seeing very uh, China very much as a trading partner, while Russia very much a hostile nation. Um, and an awful lot of people really questioning whether or not we should be seeing China as a you know the land of opportunity and investment, as opposed to what is quite clearly a hostile nation state with very different values from us. And it does seem to me that this idea that we we are, we are somehow in the West sort of passing on our democratic uh, free va- you know our, our, our values to um, China rather than them actually passing on their authoritarian totalitarian police state to us. Um, I think the last year can tell you which way that relationship is going. That's very true, but I don't think there's anything to be gained necessarily from seeking to not trade with China um, because at the end of the day it is it is businesses it is individuals that that trade with each other not countries um, that may be especially difficult to consider when you look at how much involvement the Chinese state has in particularly large Chinese um, Chinese businesses um, but I don't I don't think seeking to isolate China uh, especially from a trade perspective is is the right route to go you know we should be prepared to address uh, you know, human rights abuses in China, for example, we should be prepared to stand well, how, up to how China. Do we, how do we address them? We don't have the military might. How else do we address these things? It seems to me, you know, we, we weren't trading uh, with South Africa when uh, they were they had apartheid because we, we disapproved of their their treatment of, of you know, huge swathes of the vast majority of their population. Um, but we're quite happy for the Ouija people, millions of Ouija people to be given, you know, put into basically camps uh, and, and to be forcibly sterilised. I mean, are we, are we just saying that's OK? And would, well, you know, but we'd rather have cheap, you know, cheap iPhones. Is, is that the argument? No, I don't think it ends up being one or the other. But, and is I think, it, but isn't it one or the other? No, I think businesses very much have a responsibility to be aware of what uh, foreign labour is involved. And, and, you know, I don't think businesses can stand up and say, oh, well, we weren't aware that actually further down our supply chain, we were using, you know, forced labour camps in, in any country. I think businesses, um, especially UK businesses, we have a responsibility to to know where where foreign workers are being used and to ensure they're being being treated mm. you know with respect and certainly not illegally held in camps um but at the end of the day i don't think economic sanctions or, or refusing to trade with a country particularly affects the kind of change that we think needs to happen yeah, well I, I think the british people perhaps should march, you know march with their own uh, on their own feet and use their own uh, pockets uh, to to make their views clear I'm, I'm still waiting for reparations frankly for the damage that china has done by their abject lying and failure and cover up over the uh, uh, over the, the the COVID virus, which they gave us to the world, gave the world. Um, let's also talk about. You mentioned workers. Well, let's talk about workers' rights. Uh, last night there was a a, a, a very interesting um, uh, decision by Uber, the ride-hailing app giant. Uh, they announced and this, of course, is following a losing a court case, the Supreme Court case last month. They've announced they're going to give its seventy thousand UK drivers a guaranteed minimum wage, holiday pay, and pensions. Uh, they're going to be paid the rate of eight pounds. 72 an hour when for all the time that they have actually they've actually accepted a journey to guarantee they do uh, actually get uh, that minimum wage while they are working now uber had argued that they were just a booking agent drivers were self-employed nothing to do with us gov uh, but the court ruled the drivers were workers and under that category they are entitled to that minimum legal holiday and pension rights now this is a huge decision by the court and it has very far-reaching implications not just for uber but do you think this is a good move or is this going to actually undermine the i suppose the 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 viability of the gig economy 
I haven't actually seen the full details of this uh, decision from Uber that came out last night, but I think having it as an option uh, is is always a good thing. You know, Just Eat uh, is in a very similar position in terms of, you know, gig economy workers. And last year offered um, its riders who wanted it, you know, this kind of package, a guarantee holiday pay and, and, and sick leave and so on. Um, and I, I think there are always going to be people working in the gig economy who do who are looking for more security. Um, but I, I think it's equally important to protect the rights of, of workers in the gig economy who don't want to be tied down to contracts of this kind, who do want to pick up, you know, more flexibility, uh, ability to, to work when they want and not be tied into a commitment. So yeah. I think offering it absolutely is a good thing because there are always going to be people who do want that. But I, but I think it's important to protect the flexibility the gig economy offers workers as well. Uh, that's an absolutely fascinating thing. Poll after poll, and I remember the TUC, uh, Gary poll and then sort of try to keep, you know, well, let's just not talk too much about this. I'm <laughs> discovering that the vast majority of people doing this sort of gig economy work were quite happy with the hours they did, the, the pay they had, didn't want any extra. They liked the fact that they could say, oh, no, no, I'm not working the Easter holidays. I've got kids or I want to work extra time because uh, uh, I want to make some money for Christmas. And a lot of people are like that. Uh, there are an awful lot of people also who don't have much choice. Um, and 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 have to accept what they get. And we have seen some situations where Uber drivers were, you know, unless you accept certain jobs, unless you you're on duty on a regular basis, you're not going to be getting a lot of the best jobs. And there there were various algorithms that were um, perhaps unfair to people who wanted to just pick and choose. Um, it seems to me that the knock-on effect of this is going to be huge in terms of the benefits that drivers get, and but also that workers around the country are going to get. If this is the case for Uber, I don't. See why it's not the case for an awful lot of other industries yeah i think we're we're gonna have to wait and see but i think it's quite likely that um even if not um legally that, that just in from a pr perspective once a, a company as big as uber makes this decision and then other you know um companies in in the gig economy sector with millions of workers on on this kind of um contractual basis um are just going to they're going to have to offer it because what once someone as big as as uber does you sort of think oh well we we probably have to as well yeah indeed their lawyers have fought this tooth and nail so if they think they have to give it they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts key thing is we're told this is not going to increase fares uh, for users but we'll we'll see about that the breakfast briefing with julia hartley brewer on talk radio if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.